Well, it was Act 3, Scene 2. The actor, Harry Hawk, had just taken the stage for his monologue. And the lights were dimmed, just as it had been several nights beforehand. And then, he delivered his line, and the hilarity broke out. Hawk's character, Asa, recited these words to the recently departed Mrs. Mount Chesington. What a last name. He said, don't know the manners of good society, eh? Well, I guess I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal. You sockdologizing old man trap. And then people just blew up in laughter. It was hysterical. The crowd erupted. And at that exact same time, something else erupted. It was a Philadelphia Derringer pistol. You see, knowing the crowd would laugh at exactly the same time, stage actor John Wilkes Booth squeezed the trigger of his pistol as it was aimed in the back of the 16th President of the United States head, Abraham Lincoln. And when they found Lincoln and they looked through his belongings, in his coat, Lincoln had a few items, and among them was a wallet. And in that wallet, there was a $5 Confederate bill and, most interestingly, eight newspaper clippings containing complimentary remarks about Lincoln. Here was the President of the United States, and he carried around with him newspaper clippings that reminded him that he was liked. A fascinating story, if you ask me. Why do I say that? Because you might think, oh, I don't know. I'm the President of the United States of America. I would feel pretty good about myself. But even Lincoln needed approval. He needed to know that he was liked. And so he carried a reminder of, this, of these clippings around with him at all times to remind himself that he was thought well of by his peers. And, while fascinating, I want to suggest something else. That I think all of our hearts are incredibly similar to Lincoln's. You see, in each of us, there is a desire to know that we matter that we are significant, that we are approved of. And this longing to know that we are approved of is something that is common to human experience. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, white, black, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. All of us are longing to know that we're accepted and approved of. But this text here tells us that the longing for approval in all of us is actually broken. And it's broken in this, namely, where it seeks its approval from. We're going to see that all of us, in some way or another, are like copies of Lincoln. We carry around, close to our hearts, the approval from other people in hopes that we'll be okay. But God in His grace to us won't leave us there. In fact, this text is going to show us three things about approval. First, approval is more needed than you think. Secondly, you can read it, approval goes deeper than you think. And then lastly, approval is better than you think. What do I mean? Let's take a look. Approval is more needed than you think. Look with me at verse 28. Notice with me that Jesus is saying in verse 28, He is saying that His followers should not fear those who can take your life, 
Rather, you should fear the one who can take your life and destroy your soul as well. Who is Jesus talking about? Those who can take your life, man, humans, those who can destroy your life and and soul as well. He's talking about God. And he is saying that you need to, you have to, you will fear something. Jesus is saying that you will inevitably basically seek approval from one of those two sources. In other words, what Jesus is getting at, He's saying to everybody, no matter who you are, this is what this means, is that no matter who you are, that you are longing for approval. You're lo- you were, it was built into you. How did it get there? How in the world did that get built in deep into your heart? Here's how. From the beginning, God made man for fellowship. And it was in the context of that fellowship that God communicated His utter delight. There it is. Do you see? There's the approval. His utter delight to His creatures. And do you know what this means? That means from the beginning, man has always needed God's approval. Not because he was a sinner. No, 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 no. But from the very beginning, God made man to be, to be a creature that lived before God in utter need of God's approval. And that was a really, really, really good thing to know God's delight in you. I think of my wife when we were dating. We had to watch a lot of, of videos of her growing up. If you know Laura and you know her family... They videotaped everything. Christmases, birthdays, like talent shows in the home. They're kind of funny, actually. But there was this one video that I watched after we were married. And it was of Laura. She was a gymnast. She did gymnastics for many years. And she had just gotten through with this balance bar routine. And she dismounted from the bar. And she saluted the judges, whatever you do. I don't know. That was my attempt at a gymnastics salute, I suppose. But then she, it's all on videotape. Then she walks back over from the wherever you do your salute and you walk back over to your coach, wherever that is. I'm so used to like a dugout or a bench, but wherever that is. And the coach has got the other girls all around and he's encouraging and coaching them. And, and Laura just is there and you see her kind of and looks at the camera. And she goes back and kind of, you can kind of see her like this. She pops up again she waves at the camera, and she goes back to the... You know, just, what is she doing? Because she knows on the other side of that camera are her parents. And every child looks to his mama and or his daddy for some sort of approval. And they don't think about it. They don't question it. It's because that child needs to know that they are loved and that they are enjoyed and that they are delighted in. And I'm telling you that each one of you needs that too. How am I going to drive this home as way of application? First of all, I just want to drive home the fact that when you think about this at the personal level, I want to ask you, where do you see this happening in your life? The idea that you long, that you need some sort of approval for somebody outside yourself to be Latin extra nos, 
to be outside of us that would look into you and tell you that you're okay, that you're accepted, and that you're beautiful. That, you could, that you've got what it takes. Where do you see this happening in your life? As college students, listen. Are you ready for this? I'm in the same lot, so I'm sitting down with you, okay? Most of y'all are incredibly insecure. He just said it. What? You're incredibly insecure. Why? Because you put on these little false selves that try to make yourself look good. Why? So that other people will actually like you. The thing is, is that you're giving them something else to like, not really giving them yourselves. Now, here's the thing. You want relationship. You know you do. And so, so let's, let's go there, okay? Let's go there in the context of relationship. Why do you, when you're in the context of a dating relationship, why do you feel this pressure then to hook up when you know you're going to have regrets later? Why do you think that something as simple as like peer pressure with getting wasted or whatever else? Like, why does the title peer pressure feel childish in some ways? Because you look at it and you go, that's not really me. And then at the same time, if somebody were to get honest with you for a moment and say, do, do, you, really, do you really want to do this? Somewhere deep inside your being, there resonates, I know, I don't. And what's driving the silencing of that voice is your desire to be liked and to be approved. And like this text has said, it's gone wrong. It's busted. It's broken. So let's look at the second point there when I say that it's not only is it more needed than you would think, it goes deeper than you think as well. Look with me there at verse 32 and, uh, 30 and 32 as well as verse 28. What do I mean when I say the longing is still there and it has gone bad? Well, part of the answer is found there in a word that Jesus uses in verse 28. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both body and soul. Now, when you hear the word fear, you probably think of the word being afraid. We think of something like, I can't sleep at night because I got this really big test fear happening the next morning. Or you think on a more serious level, maybe you have a sick parent or family member and you don't know what's going to happen and so you are afraid. It's normal. That's normal. But when the Bible, when Jesus talks about fear, He's talking about an old ancient Hebrew idea of fear that's actually more akin to the word that we would use called reverence or awe. Fear in this context means to be in awe over something. It means to be in wonderment. It means to revere. It means to give ultimate significance to. Think about it this way. If you were in the stadium on Saturday when the frogs took the field for the first time of the year, think about that situation. A new stadium. A new season. A new conference with the teams that TCU used to play every year. It's like the glory days returning. The music's blaring. The smoke's coming out of the smoke machine. 
And if you were for just a moment to remove yourself from that situation and you look down on the, everybody in that stadium, you would see that they were literally in awe. And then the first frog comes out from the tunnel and what happens? Ah, the crowd arrives. This band's playing. It's awesome. It's awesome. In that moment, you know fear. You were fearing. Because in that moment, you were saying, this is the best thing ever. This is so awesome. The frogs. I can't believe it. Yeah, let's go. That's what he's talking about. But what he's saying is, is that our hearts take this fear and he says, we put it, this ultimate value and importance, and we take it and we shift it and we start saying, what matters most to me is not fearing God, but fearing what man's opinion of us really is. In other words, hear me. You end up worshiping approval itself. That's what Jesus is getting at. So when I say that it's deeper than you think, this is not a surface issue. No, it's actually going deep down in your heart. And it's what the Bible would call a worship disorder. And all worship disorders throughout the Scriptures are called idolatry because you are worshiping something else besides God Himself. Now, I am incredibly prone to this as your campus minister. So it's just sort of like, if this is touching on some nerves, it's like, welcome to the club, okay? Like this is, welcome to the club. But listen to what Becky Pippert, an author, says. She says, whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks, and here we go, acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Do you see what this means? You and me are incredibly prone to worshiping approval itself. And approval as an end in itself takes the place of God in that scenario. Listen to what the psalmist says. He says, those who make idols become like them. So do all who trust in them. Here is my point. In some, to seek approval instead of God is not just a surface matter. It's actually a worship disorder called idolatry. It's to worship something other than God. Now, as a way of driving this home to our hearts, let's, uh, let's take a look Let's take a listen to the modern-day philosopher Michael Scott from NBC's The Office. Listen to what he says about the way he hopes his employees will see him. If you've seen The Office, you know how insecure Michael Scott is. He says, would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. That's classic. We laugh because we know it's true about our own hearts. We want people to love us. What's the point? Look, y'all, 
I know this to be so true in my own heart. What about you? Where do you take the umbilical cord of your heart and attach it to to get some measure of acceptance and approval? Where do you do this? Look, one pastor tells it like this. He says, if this is the case, you're going to struggle with a couple of things. First of all, you will fear rejection like you never imagined. And secondly, you're going to struggle with being a coward. Why? Well, think about it. If other people's approval of you is what gives you your ultimate sense of worth and dignity, you would, you're, you're, you're too scared. You can't, you, you can't stand rejection. So whatever somebody says jump, you say how high? What do I got to do? And the last thing that you're going to do is confront somebody because you will lose that relationship maybe. And so you walk with cowardice in your hip pocket all through your life. But most importantly, and I really want to drive this home, and this is incredibly serious, if you struggle with this, you are going to exploit people. That is strong language, but let me tell you how. You are at your root level asking people to do something that they were never meant to do. You are asking another person to give your life ultimate meaning and ultimate value. Now, let me just ask you, is there any way that you can do this for somebody else? No. So why would you ask some why would you expect somebody else to be able to do that for you? Listen, your boss cannot and was not meant to give you the deep sense of approval that you long for. Your professors cannot do this. No matter how hard you try to win the favor of your sorority sisters, of your fraternity brothers, the people that you act with, those that are at your job, the people in your class, no matter how much you try to do it, they will, they will fail you. Listen, you cannot even do this with your spouse. I love Laura to death, but the moment that I start to look at her from my sense of meaning and ultimate sense of approval, I begin to exploit her. It's like, for those of you that like biking, racing, it's like taking a road bike on the trails and expecting it to perform for you time and time again. You will stress it and you will crush it. And some of y'all right now, listen, you're wanting too much out of people. And they can't do it. And the thing is, is you're miserable. You're miserable trying to get them to do it. And you're crushing them too. So, where in the world, in the midst of all this, is there any measure of hope? Where is there hope for folks like you and me who are so incredibly insecure that we need somebody to pat us on the back and say, hey man, you're really, really cool and awesome. What hope is there for folks like that? Because I need it. Because you, if I'm being honest, you know who I want to like me? They're sitting in the pews in front of me. Isn't that weird? That I'm going to base my ultimate significance on a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds I don't really even know. But man, y'all start not liking me and I'm in the dumps and I have to go back to Jesus for the gospel. I have to. I have to. 
So what hope is there? Lastly, approval is better than you think. Look at this text. Jesus wants to provide comfort too. In verse 29 to 30, He wants to comfort His people. He wants to encourage them in the midst of their hearts going to the idol God of approval. Listen, Jesus is always, hear me, hear me now, Jesus is always wooing you. He is always trying to draw you back to Himself. He is always trying to do this. Look at this verse. He says this. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. Jesus is saying, that there is not one sparrow in the whole world that falls to the ground without your heavenly Father knowing about it. And secondly, he says that as common and as insignificant as the hairs are on your head, none of y'all are balding in here yet, so I can say that. How much more then, Jesus reasons, does God pay attention to you? It's the lesser to greater reasoning. He knows about all the sparrows in the world. He knows about all the hair on top of every single one of your heads. And he says, how much more then? How much more then does God know you? Aren't you of more value? Aren't you of more worth than the two sparrows that he knows about? And the answer is a resounding yes. You see, this has always been the case. In the Old Testament, do you know what the people of God are referred to? They're referred to as His treasured possession. Why? Because they're infinitely valuable to Him. That you, God's children, are of incredible worth to Him. And He wants you to know that. And when I talk about approval going better than you think, here is what I mean. You think some college girl, dudes, is enough to give you meaning and significance. You're crazy. Ladies, listen up. No pimply-faced college kid can ever surpass what God in Christ is for you. Ever. Ever. I don't care how cool he is, how much money he's got, how good he looks. Ever. I'm getting fired up. Because I so badly want you all to know this. I just start yelling. I'm sorry. It's not the best thing. One student put it like this. I was talking to them a few years ago and they said, you know what, Ryan? It doesn't really matter what other people think of me. God loves me. And that's all that matters. I don't have to live for the approval of other people. And here it is. Because I already have the only kind of approval that really matters anyways. Thank you, Lord, that you've shown somebody that. Is He showing you that tonight? Is He showing you that? <sighs> Listen, in sum, the cure for your, to- for your approval addiction is not no approval. You weren't made for it. Rather, it's seeing how approved you are by God. That's the only thing that's going to cure your approval addiction. 
is when you begin to see the Heavenly Father looking at you and delighting. Do you know the book of Zephaniah says that God actually sings melodies over you because He loves you so much? That's stunning to me. Like a father singing lullabies to his babies. This is what I do with my girls. So God does for you. That's stunning to me. That's stunning to me. Howard Stern, the radio DJ and judge on America's Got Talent, once spoke on his incessant need for approval. It's an incredibly honest statement. Listen to what he says. The curse is I take it so seriously. i got to know, do you think I did a good show and are you satisfied? That's the neurosis and that's the source of all my problems for me. Incredibly, incredibly insightful. And Stern is simply describing all of our hearts as we look for other people outside of Jesus to give us value and worth in our lives. So lastly, how can we know then that God really does enjoy and delight and accept us? You've said it, Ryan, but how can I know it? And here's how. On the cross, the last words that Jesus spoke were, Father, why have you forsaken me? And do you know what it means to be forsaken? It means to be rejected. On the cross, God the Father rejected Jesus. Why? So you and me could be approved of. There it is. You see, our approval with the Father meant Jesus' very own disapproval in His eyes. And it's because of that that you and me can have incredible confidence that we really are loved and enjoyed by the Father. Y'all, all of us were made to know approval. We, in our efforts, have that question buried in our hearts. And, it's, and, and we want it to be answered so badly, we run to other people to try to find it. And this text reminds us that human opinions, that if they mean everything to us, we will in turn worship that. But don't you see in Jesus, don't you see you won't be denied the Father's love and affection because Jesus Himself was already denied by Him for you. For you. For you. It's great news. It's the best you're going to hear tonight. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for speaking to us. Oh, that this would begin to move and change us. I, I mean, I can't believe it that we have the gaze, the affection, and the delight of the One who holds the stars in their place, the One who has so ordered the oceans, the One who watches over the smallest lepton at the subatomic particle. Oh Lord Jesus, You delight in us. Hallelujah, what great news. Hallelujah, what a salvation. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh Lord, may this move us and change us, we pray, that we would quit looking to other people to find our ultimate sense of worth and dignity, and that we would see we have the affection of the King of kings. And it's in Your name that we pray. Amen.